How many have had a great week? How many have testimonies from the last three days? Amen. We had a great time Wednesday night. And uh, Apostle Mike just really tore it up. Thank you. We got Preacher Chad, wherever he went, he was really doing a number. And uh, just tremendous things. Uh, Today, it's amazing how God orchestrates things. And He knows well in advance what it is that He desires to do at any particular time. And uh, I want to share a message this morning that I've entitled, Embracing Your True Identity. Embracing Your True Identity. I'd like you to take out your Bibles if you have them or look at the sky bowl above me to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10, and I'm reading out of the NLT. And then I'm going to read a little bit out of the ESV. But it begins by saying, but you are not like that. Everybody say, I'm not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession." As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Father, today we thank You so much for Your Word. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that in these few moments that we have, that we're able to relay what you've laid upon my heart for this morning. We love you and we thank you for this time we have together. For it is in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen. Amen. I want to read for you very quickly out of 1 Peter chapter 2, the same two verses, if you will, out of the ESV. It says, but you are a chosen race. But he said, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, we're going to have a lot of fun. We've already had a lot of fun. We're going to continue with that for this morning. But I really believe that as Pastor Barb was here, that today is a day of prophetic release. It's not just hearing the word and being a hearer, but a doer. We're releasing the word of God. And when she began to speak and say, prophesy, 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 Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus is the word. So when you begin to declare God's word, just as she mentioned, it's God's will, God's purpose. When you begin to declare the Word of God over your situation, over your life, over your family, over those children, we don't have to listen to Prophet Pink Floyd, who years ago said, leave my kids alone or leave them kids alone. We can see what God says about our children. We can see what God says over this generation. We begin to prophesy the word of the Lord because when you speak the Lord, you enter into that realm and that atmosphere of the prophetic. And in all that we do, 
in everything that we do, we have to see today through the prism of the cross. Because even the Apostle Paul says, today we see things dimly or darkly. But when you get to know Him, when you see Him, and there's a day where we'll all be in His presence forever. But right now, the more we know Him, the brighter and the better we see Him and His purpose and His will. And as we've all been learning over the last several weeks, in every single way, it's all about bringing people to the knowledge of God and His Word and letting that Word rule and reign supreme in their hearts. You see, the world's lost. They're confused. That's why Jesus came. They don't know who they are. They have no clue. They're searching for their identity. Everybody wants to know, why am I here? And why do I exist? And so they're looking externally to fill something that can only be filled internally. They're turning to systems. They're turning to uh, uh, causes. They're turning to other things, trying to fill that void that's on the inside of them. But we know that only through yielding to the cross and giving up oneself do you truly find yourself. Because what we're trying to do is make ourselves God in our own eyes. That's what the world is doing. And we have the word of life. We've got the word of the Lord on the inside of us. We've got His word that He's given to us. And it's that that we rest and we rely upon. But it's because of their lack of identity and their confusion that they are projecting onto others what they are unsure of. Now, if you're unsure in yourself and you begin to speak and you project those things onto others, we are in danger of listening to a lie and deception that the enemy has propagated. Never forget, from the beginning, the one thing that drew all mankind into sin was the promise of knowledge through enlightenment. You don't know yet. You just don't know. But if you do this, ah, then your eyes will be opened. And the world is saying the same thing to us today. Don't be surprised because of the spirit of the age is trying to say that to the church. If you just do this, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. I already am. I already am. I know who I am and in whom I've believed. I don't need the knowledge of the world to confirm who I am. Some people say, you're just closed-minded. Yeah, I am. I'm very closed-minded to the Word of God. And I'm not going to compromise that by embracing wrong philosophies that cannot lead me to fulfillment. I'm not going to embrace your philosophy of the LGBTQ plus XYZ communities. Why? I don't need that for life. I will love you to the end of the world because Jesus gave himself for you. But I will not embrace a lifestyle that is contrary to the will of the Lord. I will not embrace the deception and lies propagated in our schools or in our communities. But I also will not take up a cause without the power of the Lord and his direction. It's too easy to hop on a cause 
trying to fulfill what's inside of us rather than saying, God, what is your direction in this moment? Because his direction might send you into a storm and you might think you're going to die. And then at midnight, when it's the darkest, when it's that third watch of the morning, Jesus comes walking across the water and he says, I'll pass you by if you don't call out to me. It's the same issues that we see today. Listen, we have a problem in our society, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it as a psychologist. There's a real thing known as trauma. But in our day, we have elevated drama to the level of trauma. And everybody that goes through any drama has trauma. God forbid that we so minimize those that have real issues because of your daily struggle. Your daily life that everybody goes through is not trauma. It's your drama. You can go tell your mama about your drama, but won't bring your trauma in here. That is not what God wants to do. He wants to take what's happening on the inside of you and say, I delivered you 2,000 years ago at the cross. You don't need therapy. You need Jesus. Same thing with deliverance. God forbid that we need systems and things on seeing people delivered as if the cross was not enough. What wisdom could I possibly give you that Jesus didn't already take care of? Let me tell you the problem with therapy. Therapy always directs you to your past. Jesus always directs you to your future. But in our drama, we want to deal with everything we're dealing with in our past rather than seeing the solution that's found in the Word of God. And we're allowing that drama to traumatize us. And it's not even trauma. It's like watching a soap opera over and over and over and over again. Don't come up here for prayer, for deliverance, if you know you're going to walk out in the same crap you walked in with. God cannot deliver you from that which you've embraced. The devil has no authority over you. If you think you got a devil, you cast it out. How do I do that? Just say go. And then don't dwell in his temple anymore. world has termed so many things as enlightenment, but it's the same trick the enemy has always used. <clears throat> and he hasn't changed his tactics. In our quest for relevance, we're always seeking for the new. I think Solomon put it best when he said, there's nothing new under the sun. But what I have found, I've done this a little while now, what I found is that it keeps coming back over and over and over again as new revelation. No, it's worldly philosophy that the church has embraced in the name of new revelation. You cannot take the world's philosophy and wrap it up with a Christian title and call it new revelation. It is still worldly, it is sensual, it's doctrines of devils, and you cannot allow it in. 
<laughs> Told you we're going to have some fun. <laughs> a lot of times we embrace stuff because we just don't know where it came from. But it sounds really good. How many of you know that a lie is only convincing if it's close enough to the truth? You won't fight for blatant lies. No, that's, that's dumb. I'm not following. But if it sounds close enough to the truth, it's enough to dissuade us. I'll give you an example. Remember what Satan said to Eve in the garden? What did he say? He said, did God really say you shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Oh, God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be like God's, knowing good and evil. Do you realize that not everything he said was tr false? Because at the end of that same chapter, he says, now, God says, now they've become like one of us. That part, he said, was true. The lie was, you need to know evil. You don't need to know evil. You don't need to play with it. You don't need to entertain it. In fact, my Bible says you don't even speak about those things that are done in darkness. The prince of darkness wants to make you think that his darkness is light. That's why the Word of God says, be careful that your light is not darkness. Don't let your revelation actually embrace what's dark. You've got to make sure that the light on the inside of you is from the Word of God and not masquerading itself as light or revelation from the Lord. I've watched things over the years that just make my skin crawl. Forgive me if I step on any toes because I just don't care. <laughs> pastor Barb's the pastor. She'll love you back to life as soon as I'm done. <laughs> but I see things happen in the church where we start trying to find our gifts and talents by taking a test. And I can show you every single one of them where their roots were in union philosophy that arose in the world. But we repackaged it and we embraced it as truth and we gave people excuses to be idiots. Oh, that's not my gift. That's not my talent. That's, that's not who I am. You get the point, right? We embrace things. For the last four decades, I have dealt with things called inner healing. It is rubbish. There is no such thing. It's not in the Bible anywhere. Your spirit, man, that hidden man of your heart can either be born again or not born again. You don't heal a spirit. You do renew a mind. You don't heal a mind. You renew a mind. But because we've twisted it just enough, we've embraced it and repackaged it into the house of God. And there is no such biblical basis for it. My psychologist friends would ridicule the church and say, they don't even know what they're doing. And they'd say, here's all this stuff we do. 
psychodynamic theory now embraced by the church. Why is it wrong? Let me tell you why. Because it locks a person into their past, exploring the hurts that may or may not have ever occurred. I've been called as an expert witness in court multiple times because seeds planted in such therapeutic sessions never existed. Yet, we want to embrace it. And we allow people who have no knowledge to speak into the lives of those around us and say, oh, by the way, I know why you're traumatized. I've watched homes split because of lies. When you see that, we ought to immediately know who's behind it. I don't care how it came packaged. It wasn't in God. Well, pastor, how do, we get, how do we get over it? You renew your mind to the word of God. I'm not rehearsing my past. I'm rehearsing my future. We have to embrace our true identity. I like what Paul said. Let's go back to our text. You had no identity. Why? You were lost in darkness. The enemy wants to make you think that darkness can dispel light. It can't. Never can, never will. Light always dispels darkness. Darkness can only appear in the absence of light. If our society looks dark, I would submit to us it's because the light of the Almighty has not been seen. And that's on us. And you won't beat darkness by throwing darkness at it. We've been studying on Wednesday nights. You can't give truth until you've revealed grace. You don't have grace until you've got mercy. You're not going to have power or wisdom until you display some power. These are all things that are principles in the Word of God. So mercy, grace, truth, so it can be embraced. How do we do that? Let me give you a definition for darkness. Darkness is the symbol of mystery, intrigue, that which we crave for, something new, something fresh, something to have dominion over. It's a symbol of sadness. It's a symbol of fear. The deception is the cover of darkness where there's safety. The cover of darkness can't make you safe. It just hides you from the threat. The cover of darkness keeps us in a place where we're afraid to stand for the light for fear of being canceled, for fear of what somebody else might say. But darkness cannot dispel light. It can't. So we speak light. Here's what we do. I like what Paul said, or Peter, back in our, in our text here. You're a chosen race. 
You are a chosen race. Why do you think the enemy wants to make racism such a big issue? So that you can't see you are a chosen race that isn't based on external factors, but based on a renewed and regenerated heart that's been born again by the Spirit of the living God. That's the race that you are. That's the only race we embrace. Why? Because the Word says, the Word says, I'm a chosen race. God chose you. You're a royal priesthood. All of you, a royal priesthood. You are royalty. You have a priesthood. You have the ability. That word connotates you have the ability to go to God on behalf of the people. Too often, we're trying to go to God or to the people on behalf of God. And we speak things that God has not yet said. One of the deceptions of the garden was this. Adam and Eve received knowledge that they were never supposed to have. When we talk about our children today, why is it that a kindergarten needs sex education? It is, it is knowledge they are not supposed to have at this time. When we hear all of the discussions about, well, let people make up their own choice. Fine. God gave them the ability to choose in Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call all heaven to record against you this day that I've set before you life, death, blessing, and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. You choose. God gave them that choice. If they choose foolishly, that's up to them. But a two-year-old can't choose. A five-year-old can't choose. A teenager can't choose. You were called to be parents, not friends. The day will come when you can be a friend with your children. But if you've got small children, today is not that day. I've walked through this. I've had my children not happy with me. I had one so mad at me, you made me go to church. Yeah, I made you go to the doctor, I made you go to school, I made you eat, I made you sleep. I did a lot of, it's called parenting. And you were born into my house, God knew you needed to go to church. I don't make apologies for that, even with my kids. So I'm definitely not going to do with yours. I like, you're not like that. You're not like the rest of the world. Quit putting that cloak on yourself. Just like Pastor Barb mentioned, I can't tell you how many times I've had witches come into my services. I can't tell you. And they get born again, delivered, set free. I had one, one young girl. She came in. She came forward for prayer. And as I'm praying, all of a sudden, God says, stop. She's not here for prayer. 
Now, everything on the outside, I gave an altar call. She came forward. She responded. And God says, nope, don't pray for her. You tell her this. She's on assignment. She was sent here by the enemy. And she's sent here to compromise ministry. I looked at her right in the line. I stood back and I said, you're not here for prayer. You are here to compromise ministry. You're here on assignment. I just said what God said. And she started to shake and she said, you can't know that. And I said, yes, I can. The God in me is bigger than the devil in you. After the service, she got born again, delivered, set free right there. No show. I don't let the devil put on a show. You don't get to put on a show. Why? I'm the one that has authority. If you let the devil put on a show, he will, because he wants his darkness to overtake your light. So you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that here in this house. You don't get to do that. That is not your place. You will hold your tongue. The moment anybody like that walks through these doors, they will be silenced by the Holy Spirit before they can ever release any type of power or curse or anything in this place. You can't sit in the back and curse me. You can't sit and curse Pastor Barb. You can't sit and curse Pastor Matt. You can't sit or, or, or curse Pastor Paul. You cannot sit back there and come against leadership. You're not going to do that. You're not going to come against the people of this house. Why? They are God's possession. That's what this scripture says. You belong to Him. You were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And I refuse to trample that under feet by making anything less. What happened? We took her into a back room after the service. I wanted to know more. She said, we have three people in witches' covens all over the city praying against you every single day that you die. I thought to myself, I sure hope I got at least three saints praying for me every day that I live. <laughs> I hate it when the devil's more committed than we are. And she said, the reality is we can send people into churches all over this city and we, we curse them. We cast spells over them. We do all of these things and we get away with it. But every time we have sent somebody here, they never come back. <laughs> See, she wasn't the first. She was the last in a long... Well, she wasn't even the last. I, I think they just gave up. I mean, I had dead goat's heads placed in my yard. We had pentagrams in our yard. We had... We had the devil hated me. Yay! Why? You become a threat to darkness. Darkness can't stand. Darkness can't... Darkness cannot stand what you stand for. She said, I'm afraid. They'll kill me. I said, no, nah, they won't. No, they won't. We're going to help you. We took care of that 
young girl, probably in her early 20s. Back to Scripture, and I'm going to wrap this up. Your true identity, he said this, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Say, for his own possession. You belong to God. How much do you watch over the things you own? How much more does God watch out over you? Oh, but if God, if God was doing this, then why this? If God, why this? If God, why this? We fall into the Gideon syndrome. It's your perspective. It's not God. You got to change your perspective. See, when you look in the mirror, do you see your past? Or do you see what God said? Do you see the enemy in the mirror? Or do you see your purpose in the mirror? What do you stare at? Why did He call us that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light? Once you were not a people, but now... You are God's people. Once you didn't have an identity, now you do. He said earlier in the chapter, as newborn babes sincerely desire the milk of the word of God that you can grow. How do you find out who you are? Just like a child does. You start growing up in the things of God. He starts to reveal to you his word one step at a time. You grow stronger and you grow stronger and you grow stronger. But he said, you have to desire this just like a newborn desires milk. What happens if a newborn doesn't get fed? Come on, every mom in the room. What happens at 2 a.m. with that newborn and all you want to do is take a nap? Because that's all you're going to get between feedings. How do I know? I watched her. <laughs> I was very supportive. <laughs> what happens? They would wake up crying, crying for something to eat. How many times are we waking up at two in the morning crying out for God, crying out for the hunger of God's word, crying out for his presence? Two hours later, we're awakened again, crying out for God. God, I need you. I need you. Or do we wake up every two hours worried, fretting, concerned, embracing darkness? I want to challenge us that we wake up embracing truth. Oh, God, I need you. I need you more today than I did yesterday. I need your word so I don't fall into the traps and the snares of the enemy. I don't want to buy the lies of deceit in the name of enlightenment. I want to know who you said I am. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, who do men 
say that I am? Who do men say that I am? He said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elias or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. See, he got the opinion of what man said. And I promise you, man has a lot of opinions about faith builders. Who do men say that we are? And Jesus says, it's not relevant. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say faith builders is? Peter said, you're the Christ. God's anointed. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. What did Jesus say? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Why? Flesh and blood cannot reveal it to you. It comes by the Spirit of God. And when we allow the Spirit of God to reign free in our lives, you'll no longer need the therapies of flesh and blood. You won't need the therapies of enlightenment because God is your source and He shows you who you are. And everybody said, Let's stand up. Father, I thank you for this time we've had together today. I thank you for your perfect orchestration. You knew exactly what needed to happen in this day for those that would be here today. And I thank you for your word. May we not bow at the altars of the evil one, embracing truth, his truth, his enlightenment, which is darkness masquerading as truth. Your word says that he comes as an angel of light. We know there's only darkness in him. Father, we're not looking for flesh and blood to reveal anything to us from this moment on. We're going to look to your word to sustain, to lift, and to build. We thank you for this. Now, if you're here today, and I want you to hear me very carefully. You can all look up here. I don't care. We're not ashamed. We're not embarrassed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. But if you found yourself embracing enlightenment that supersedes the word of God, I'm challenging you today to figure out who you serve. If God's God, serve Him. If enlightenment is, then serve it. But don't be wishy-washy. See, in the last days, there's a separation between sheep and goats. God said, I'd rather have you hot or cold. But if you're right in the middle, it makes me sick to my stomach. Don't, this is a time to be hot. I'm just helping you. If you don't know what decision to make, it's time to be hot. It's time to be ready for what God is doing and not be afraid of darkness. One little light can dispel darkness. (laughs) 
So I'm challenging you. Only you know if you've embraced some form of enlightenment as truth. Turn off the prophets of the media. Hear me. Turn off the prophets of the media. They have done more to divide the church in our day by listening to garbage. Oh, but I only listen. Shh. Don't tell me what station you listen to. I don't give a rip. I do not listen to any of it. If God wants me to know something, he'll reveal it to me. I don't need their input to become enlightened. Oh, but how do we stay knowledgeable? I promise you, you'll get enough feedback from those around you. You'll be able to test the spirits. See if they be of God. Well, it's easy. That doesn't line up. That doesn't line up. That doesn't line up. That's wrong. That's taking people to hell. That's going to destroy them. You don't need a gift of discernment. You just need to know the word. I discern something's evil. You think? It's like the little gal sitting behind me in church one day. Controlled by demons. She was growling. Her eyeballs, when I looked at her, were spinning in her head. How much discernment do you need to know? That ain't normal. Either she needs healed or it needs cast out. I don't care. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Listen, we're growing up. We're growing up together. We're growing up in the things of God. And we will win. Because we've already won here. We're just walking out the victory now. That's why we get to triumph in Christ. The battle's won. We get to triumph in it now. Again, challenge your heart. Have you embraced enlightenment? In the name of revelation? The only enlightenment we need is from the Word of God. Amen? If there's anybody here today, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Today is your day. We stand here to stand with you. These doors are open so that you could be here. And if you're here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand very quickly. I want to pray with you. If there's anybody in here, don't worry about who's looking. This is your choice. Nobody else's. I don't want to miss anybody. All right. That means that everybody in here knows Jesus. That means we have a responsibility. I used to tell my church all the time, I hope there's not a whole lot of hands that go up. You go, well, why? Because we ought to be getting them born again out there and then bringing them in here. This is your briefing room. It's the church. It's the ecclesia. You come in here to hear the orders to how to go out and take this gospel to the world. You get them born again in your living room, at their dining room table, at work. That's where they end up knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then we bring them in so that we can love on them and teach them and, and give them the truth from the Word of God. 
for so many of the people that show up here week after week after week. They were born again out there. They're being delivered out there. And then they come in here and we get to be the frosting on the cake. Ah, we love you all. Come back next week. Come back Wednesday night. Ah, it's Wednesday. It's middle of the week. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of commercials about hump day. What better day to need Jesus than on a day in the middle of the week when things aren't going good? You might as well come in and get going with the Lord. Amen. Father, as we leave this place, we do not leave your presence. We thank you for your anointing and all the work that you've already done. Father, we rejoice with pastors Matt and Ginger. We thank you for their ordination today, for a setting apart, making public that which you've already done in their hearts, minds, and lives. Father, we continually pray for Pastor Barb that you'd be uplifted, encouraged, and strengthened in every way. Father, may we be as diligent praying for her as the enemy would assign those to pray against her. May we overwhelm this place with the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.